Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. Went a little long there on the crossover. That's on me. My fault. So don't blame Randy and Michelle Dan McLaughlin on the Thursday edition Scoops with Danny Mac coming up on the program. Andy Strickland, NHL insider, rinkside reporter for St. Louis Blues Hockey. Hey, they've got to ratify a deal this weekend, and then you have uh, the third stage of trying to come back and get back on the ice for the St. Louis Blues and the NHL as they try to wrap up their season. Air Comfort Service text line is open for you, as we always try and do. We get you caught up on what is happening on some of the top stories in sports in the opening monologue. And before we hear from our guest, and I do want to hear from you, the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Rhino Shield might drop as well. Okay, let's start with baseball. There's a lot to dive into this morning. John Mosellock, Mike Shield held a Zoom call with the media. Players reported to Bush Stadium yesterday, still funneling it a bit. And I thought this was probably the most sobering uh, part of the call laid out by Mo. Uh, yeah, it keeps you up at night, right? And, yeah. and, and, and part of that's just because... You know, you're not immune to, to reading how many COVID cases are going up in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the good news is Missouri is not one of those states that's completely out of control. But, it, you know, you're, it's still in the back of your mind that this is a, a, a very real virus. And I don't think I can, I don't want to downplay it in any way. I, I want our players and our staff and people that are part of tier one, tier two, to, to really take responsibility this. And there are a couple tier twos on this call right now. And they know that I sent them a letter yesterday explicitly asking them to, to understand the responsibility of what they're undertaking. And I will have a very similar message to share with the players. Well, it's pretty simple. Very simple. Be as smart as you can. As a teammate, I'm relying on you not only to be a good teammate on the field, but a teammate off the field. Mike Schilt, the manager of the Cardinals, he agrees. Well, I think our, our players will handle it very well. I think um, part of that's just the individual leadership that they have amongst themselves to have a responsibility that's beyond them. And I, I, I do believe sincerely that our group um, will has that. You know, beyond messaging of that, I do feel like, and I've spoken to some opinion leaders in our clubhouse, that, that they will they will be um, encouraging of their teammates and, and to make sure that they're following protocols and look at the big picture of it. And then clearly I'll have a responsibility to, to uh, message that as well and encourage that as well. And, um, you know, that, that has already taken place to some degree and it'll take place. You know, we'll have a brief team meeting um, on Friday and clearly that'll be a subject about what that looks like and your responsibility to the greater good. Um, as we move forward. I can tell you this, one of the best things that Mike Schilt does, he's done it for years, whether it was in the minors or year and a half as the manager of the Cardinals on a personal level, communication, one of his greatest assets. And he did this from day one when they shut down camp that weekend down in Jupiter, Zoom calls constantly during this pandemic with positions, with the players, with the bullpen, didn't matter, with his coaching staff. It was constant during the pandemic. Communication's been a key, so he is ready to go. So, yes, baseball, it's back, but it's dictated by the virus. However, having said that, Let's get into some of the positives, trying to make this happen. The actual baseball on the field. One of the biggest questions that I get about the Cardinals in 2020, it's all about 
Dylan Carlson. He's part of this camp. If he doesn't break with us, then he certainly has an opportunity to go down to to Springfield and, and get live at bats for as long as we see fit. I mean, the biggest question for him right now is is really, as I've always stated, when you have someone that needs to be playing, if they're not going to play every day, then they're best getting work somewhere else. And you know, right now, I've, I've made it very clear that the O'Neills of the world. Lane Thomas is a world. We want to see what we have because, you know, we, we, we made investments in them as well. And where they are in their career, I think it's time we give them opportunity. So there you go. Straight from Mo. It's O'Neal. It's Lane Thomas. The question then after that, how long? Normal season, you're getting a month to 45 days. This year, maybe 10 to 15 days. They don't produce. Carlson's up. Another question that many teams, including the Cardinals, will have to answer. It's about their pitching. With the short season, do you want to have a five-man rotation or a piggyback system? A six-man rotation. Again, Mike Schild. That'll be real more fluid. Uh, you know, this is a competitive situation in, in real-time games. So what I mean by that is we'll 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 play the game and we'll have enough pitching that'll dictate um how we can get to the end the best chance to win a game. Um, so I, as far as anything formal to say that, you know, a particular pitcher is going to back up another starting pitcher, um, I don't. I wouldn't expect that to happen. Will we have a plan for the backup? Yes. But it won't be as formal as say this one particular guy will piggyback with this guy or piggyback with another player when we're going to likely have 16 pitchers ready to go in camp. And, you know, some off days built into the early part of this schedule, uh, rightfully so, that's going to allow us to to maintain our, our full picture of how we use everybody. All right, so you got a five-man rotation. This is what it could look like. Flaherty, you know, is the number one. Michaelis, apparently healthy. This is no particular order. Wainwright, Hudson, I'll go with Carlos Martinez. I'm going to put that, though, in pencil because the Cardinals did announce that Jordan Hicks will start the season on the IL, coming back from elbow surgery. So the closer spot is wide open. Do you want Carlos Martinez short season in your bullpen? Then you look at the potential. and there. I mean, listen to some of these names. I'm going to go off the top of my head of guys that are on the 40-man roster. You got Kim. So KK is there. Austin Gomber, uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Giovanni Gallegos, you know that he's in the bullpen. Henesis Cabrera, Junior Fernandez. You got John Gant. Don't forget about him. He could be a starter as well. How about Ryan Helsley? He could be a starter as well. Maybe even a closer. Andrew Miller, Alex Reyes, a wild card. You got Webb. You got Jake Woodford. They are loaded with pitching. It starts with a 30-man uh, uh, you're talking about 30-man uh, roster to start. Then you go to 28. Then you're at your 26. So they're going to have a ton of options starting this season. You heard Mo earlier talk about the Springfield situation and a place for top prospects to go to continue to go and train this summer. Well, yesterday on the show, I had Brian Walden of the CardinalNation.com. Now, Brian covers the minor leagues, specific emphasis on the Cardinals. 
was announced this past week. There will be no minor league baseball at all. So what's going to happen with those players that will not be a part of that Springfield camp? They're going to have to continue to work out on their own primarily. Now, the one positive, and it is an important positive, is that the Cardinals have announced that they will pay all of their minor leaguers through the end of the season, the end of the minor league season, which is you know typically Labor Day. They're continuing to pay them the $400 per week. So, you know, that's a positive. There'll be 16 players that'll be invited to Springfield in what is called the alternate training site. They haven't come up with a catchy name for that. And that 16 in Springfield will grow when St. Louis reduces its 44 down to the opening day 30. So, you know, by the by opening day, the July 23rd, 24th, there'll be up to 30 players in Springfield and they'll work out and scrimmage against one another and stay ready. And one of the things that John Mosellock said over the weekend is that assuming that there aren't any issues with coronavirus players among the 44 in St. Louis, he expects the majority of this group that will be in Springfield to be prospects. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see when they announce what that means. But it could not only mean, you know, the Nolan Gormans and the Liberators and Thompsons are involved, but maybe even some of the players that were drafted this year. Uh, we don't know yet, but it certainly looks like the group in Springfield will will be pretty young. Uh, those players are there as a reserve in case the major league team needs help, but there should be enough other guys when you've got a pool of 60 uh, to be able to ensure that St. Louis has help if, if needed due to injury. Yeah, sad day for baseball with the minor leagues being shut down. You're probably looking at next season. If there is minor league baseball and baseball in general, sports in general is back that 40 teams anyway eliminated. Major League Baseball, minor leagues, they haven't talked, by the way, for six weeks. And minor league baseball, they don't have the TV contracts. They rely on the gates, the parking, the concessions, uh, local sponsorships, radio sponsorships. So that's all gone. Now, what about the players? If you're not a top prospect, but still you have that dream you're, you're trying to develop and... What if you're a fringe top prospect? This is the fascinating aspect of this, and I don't think people have thought about it. The winter ball participants coming up. There's going to be a ton of guys that want to play winter ball. I mean a ton. And the Arizona Fall League, that is big. I mean, guys are going to have to play, and if not, it's over. It's over. The dream is over. So that's something to think about, the fallout from the minor leagues. Continuing with baseball. And how about this one? Commissioner Rob Manfred was a guest on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday and addressed the short season in 2020. The reality is, the reality is, we weren't going to play more than 60 games no matter how um, the negotiation with the players went or any other factor. 60 games is the outside of the envelope given the realities of the virus. And, you know, I think this is the one thing that um, we come back to every single day. Um, we're trying to manage something that has proved proven to be unpredictable and unmanageable. Um, I know it hasn't looked particularly pretty in spots, um, but but having said that, um, if we can pull off this 60-game season, I think it was the best we were going to do for our fans um, given the course of the fire. Well, in retrospect, I do agree. I mean, 60 games right now, does seem to be the right move with what's happening in our country and the virus is raging. But man, does it seem bad how we got here? And it's unfortunate that opening day isn't this Saturday. Remember, we talked about how it would look great July 4th. 
Open up baseball. First sport back of the four major professional sports. That would have been great. But if you knew in the back of your mind that 60 games was going to be it anyway, why not get there? And I understand it's part of the negotiations, but man, does it look bad. And he just said that. And the other part of that that is interesting in my mind, at least from my perspective, you can bet the players union is going to use what he just said. It's a public comment that can be used in a grievance. That can be used in a grievance. And they're going to file a grievance against the owners. Wow. College football, it's getting down to crunch time. Dan Wolken of USA Today. Look, there's no guarantee that any of this is, is going to be ideal. Uh, there's no good decisions to be to be made right now. The, the whole issue for college sports is avoiding a bad decision. Uh, a decision like, okay, you start the season and then you have to shut it down after three weeks. You know, that would be disastrous uh, for college football. So you're, you're just having to weigh all of the bad news against each other and try to figure out which is, is the least damaging, the least disruptive, and which gives you the best chance to, to have a season. And if that, at the cost of that is you play it later and, and some of your stars opt out, I think, that's some, I think that's something people could live with more than you start the season and you got to shut it down after three weeks. Got to wonder if the players have ever had more leverage than they have right now. And, and will some of these players, if you move it back to spring, um, which could happen, then you got to figure your top players aren't going to play. What's the point? It, you know, they just go to the NFL draft. There's really no point in them playing. They're going to get drafted high. Why even risk the injury? And there are some that have tweeted out saying, well, if, like in Arizona, I think it was a defensive back said, now wait a minute, if we're shutting down campus, why am I here? Valid question. NBA teams are at their facilities nearing report dates for the Orlando bubble. Adrian Wojciechowski of ESPN. Today's a day that the league has to set, players, or teams have to send to the league their 35-person traveling party, including their rosters. But teams still have an opportunity to uh, bring on substitute players throughout this month if a player gets injured or a player decides to leave. And the pool of talent is so limited in that group most teams, especially those who have players who are still contemplating, you know, they'll put that player on their roster. They may go to Orlando with that player and then see how it goes once they start formal training camp there. And for a lot of players, pulling out right now may likely mean you aren't going to get paid for that time. But if you were to get injured, if you were to, uh, once you got to Orlando, if you were to test positive for COVID, then you have an opportunity to get paid your full salary and leave. And so I think you're seeing more players right now say, let me get to Florida. Let's see what it looks like, feels like. Let's see how competitive my team is. But I think as you see teams fall out of contention in Orlando and realize they don't have a chance to make the playoffs uh, or, you know, things are falling apart for a team at the bottom end of the playoffs, you could see those players start to depart. Uh, the bubble. Well, there's no doubt that players are texting, calling each other, weighing every single option, and don't think for a second all the other sports are watching each other, and right now you know the sports are watching Major League Baseball. How about St. Louis and Bradley Beal? I have yet to make mine. Uh, I'm still working my tail off every single day, as if I am playing. Definitely. It's more or less going to be a decision that comes down to the medical staff and I, just because of our precautions and just coming back from being zero to 100, you know, then I had some nagging stuff at the end of the year we're trying to clean up too. So uh, we're looking at it from all angles, uh, but 
I'm definitely working out every single day in here. It's good to be back in the facility. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't, I'm not swayed one way or another. Love watching that young man play and well-spoken to say the least. Air Comfort Service, text line 65780, Rhino Shield mic drop. We'll get to Andy Strickland, talk hockey, blues hockey. What's coming up for the NHL? That's next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN. Now, I call myself Scoops. I like to think I have the Scoops, but this guy has got the Scoops. It's Andy Strickland, NHL insider, rinkside reporter for St. Louis Blues Hockey, the television broadcast. And Andy really has a great insight into what's happening, not only with the Blues, but also league-wide. Andy, good morning to you. How are things going? Good morning, Danny Mac. Things are great, man. No complaints. All is well. Um, you know, just trying to get through everything just like everybody else. And hopefully we see some sports. I know you're hoping for some on the baseball side. We definitely are over here on the hockey side. Well, it's getting close. I, I mentioned yesterday that this may be the most important month in the, the history of North American sports, whether you're talking about baseball or hockey or the NBA or pro football, college football. So with hockey, uh, the 10th of this month, July 10th, would be phase three of the National Hockey League, which would mean the teams come back to their home cities and then get ready to go to the uh, the hub cities, which are still undecided at this point. It looks like they will go to Canada. But where are we with the CBA that still has to get uh, done and agreed to? It probably has to get done this weekend before everything gets back and going. So where are we right right now with the, uh, the CBA? Well, they've been sitting across the table from one another. I mean, the NHL and the NHLPA for several weeks now, Danny Mac. I mean, this is probably one of the silver linings to come out of this pandemic uh, in terms of how it relates to the NHL is the fact that you're going to have at least some labor peace for the foreseeable future, you know, and, and what that means, uh, you know, moving forward in the short term, we're going to find out. Um, we're getting some, you know, basic details in terms of what it looks like. Um, you know, it's going to be a four-year con- uh, CBA extension on top of the two years that are remaining. But essentially, Danny Mac, it's going to be a six-year contract extension because the first two years of this extension will replace the two years that are remaining on the current CBA. So, uh, you know, that's the positive news. Um, you're right. I think time is of the essence here. they got to get this done. I think both sides certainly understand that. Um, there were some deadlines that they had to meet uh, leading up to July 1st. Yesterday was Canada Day. I don't know if you celebrated Canada Day yesterday, Danny, or not, but um, you know it was a big day for Canada for them to get uh, at least what looks like to be both hub cities, uh, one in Toronto, one in Edmonton. Um, but but this is obviously uh, super important. And, and you know, listen, hundreds of millions of dollars went out yesterday to pay NHL players and signing bonus money. That had to uh, be agreed upon. I know a number of owners around the NHL were trying to get that delayed uh, as far as 60 to 120 days. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of owners in the NHL right now who don't have the money uh, to pay out some of these signing bonuses. I mean, you look at some players in Toronto. Uh, you know, Austin Matthews is due $15 million. You look at Mitch Marner, I think $14 million in signing bonus money, $13 million to Montreal Canadiens goaltender, um, you know, Carey Price. I mean, we're talking about significant money, $12 million to Artemi Panarin and the New York Rangers. I mean, it's amazing how much money these guys get in signing bonus money. It looks like the beginning of training camps will get pushed back. 
a couple of days. It could start around the 13th of July. It's not going to push back when games are set to begin. And uh, most teams are set to leave their individual cities where they're going to have training camp uh, to head to the hub cities sometime around July 25th with games beginning around July 30th or August 1st. So those are some of the dates and some of the, certainly some of the uh, dates on the calendar people have circled in terms of where we're headed in the short term here in the NHL. What do you think the appetite is for the players to actually do this? Uh, man, it's a great question, Danny. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, for each player, it's a little bit different. I, you know, I think if you look at St. Louis, you look at Washington, you know, teams that have won in the recent years, um, you know, Boston, whose core group has won a Stanley Cup, you know, it may not be as hungry. Uh, they may not be as hungry as some other teams uh, who haven't won. You know, I talked to Keith Yandel, who plays for the Florida Panthers. He said, look, I'm 33 years old. Uh, I don't know how many more kicks of the can I'm going to be able to get. Um, I want to win a Stanley Cup. If this is what I have to do to go win a Stanley Cup, my wife can hold it down at home. I'm not worried about that. And I'm going to do whatever I can to go out there and compete to win. Um, I think guys certainly understand, Danny, that um, this is what's best for the NHL. It doesn't always come down to what you want to do. You know, if you ask players and truly got their honest answer, I mean, do they want to go hub up in Edmonton for potentially 60 days? which is the timetable we're looking at probably from start to finish from the beginning of the play-in round all the way to the last possible date of a Stanley Cup final. Um, do they want to be away from their families for X number of days? Who knows when families are going to be you know, allowed inside the bubble and to be able to come see their their um, you know, and, and when the players are going to be able to see their families. I think these are, these are valid concerns. Um, you know, you have players in the Blues whose wives are pregnant. Um, do they want to be away from their pregnant wives, uh, players in the blues who, who have, who have kids at home? Um, do they want to be away from the kids for that long? You know, I think it's okay to have concerns if you're a player and which is why it's interesting that one of the sticking points at the CBA, when it gets announced is that players will have the right to opt out of the plane, the return to play. Um, if they don't want to go, they don't have to go. And we're seeing that right now in baseball with some players opting out. We're seeing it in the NBA with some players who have voiced concerns and said, hey, I'm not going, I'm not playing. And if NHL players don't want to go, they won't be forced to go. Um, and, and I'll be real interested, just like everybody else, to see how many players choose to go down that road. I don't expect it to be a ton, but talking to NHL players, listen, I think, you know, once you get there and the puck drops, they're going to be in it to win it, especially here with St. Louis. I mean, I always call it the two-headed monster, Danny, between you know Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong. They will have the players' attention. Um, and, you know, if they're going to do this, they're going to try to win it and repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Um, but, but it won't be easy. It's not going to be the same as obviously what we've seen in recent years. I don't think the motivation is going to be the same. You're not going to have uh, fans in the building. Um, you know, you're not going to have the wear and tear of travel between games like you typically would. Uh, it's just not going to be the same as what we traditionally see. But if this is what we have to do to get back on the ice and more importantly, um, for the sake of the game moving forward from a financial standpoint, I think that's what it comes down to. Players don't necessarily want to play. They're conditioned this time of year to be at the cottage, be on the golf course and, you know, recovering from the previous season and then preparing for the next season. But this is completely different. And if it means it's going to put money in their pockets moving forward beyond this season, and this is what they have to do. I mean, some teams, Danny, as you know, are going to go home about six days into this thing. 
I mean, they're not going to advance past the play-in round. And then you're going to have a number, a number of teams, obviously, who don't get past the first round. So if you have to stick it out for a week or two for some of these teams – for the future, for the sake of the future of the NHL, I think they're willing to do that. Andy Strickland is my guest. Um, I wonder if uh, this becomes the new norm, meaning that they finish this season and then, correct me if I'm wrong, then they would start the next year in December or January. And if they find that, you know what, it might be best to start our seasons then anyway and then go to head-to-head uh, in the summer months with baseball instead of trying to do this where we're, you know, going head-to-head with the NBA and some of the other things that they have to do. It might be a better showcase of the sport. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people would agree with you. And I think people in hockey have suggested this for years. I mean, this is uh been talked about internally for a long time it comes down to you know building availability and all that type of stuff um i i don't see it happening uh in terms of making that transition i guess it could um but there's a lot of people that would definitely agree with that and and be in favor of it if they wanted to you know have the nhl season extend uh later than it typically would and not begin the following season until december um Listen, there's a lot of people who would say, hey, that's what's best for the National Hockey League. How many eyes are on the NHL when things get going in October? And when do things really begin to pick up for hockey fans and for the sport to get the attention that it, it wants and that it, that it needs? I mean, you look at hockey, it's a little bit different than the other sports in terms of NBA and baseball and obviously the National Football League. I yeah, mean, you get away get from any- football. That's the key. Yeah, yes, you get away from football. So it's... It's it would be uh, probably favorable for the NHL. Do I see it happening? Probably not in the short term. Um, in terms of if they can make this happen, uh, how would the the games work? Would it be you know you're playing a, a game at noon? There's another one at three or four. Another one at prime time. How, how does this thing work? Well, they're planning on having three games a day. You know, back to back to back. You know, I was told throughout early in this negotiation, and we'll see what comes out of the CBA once it's announced. And listen, I, I, I've been told, Danny, that this announcement is 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 imminent. I mean, it's going to happen in the coming days, whether that means 24 hours, 72 hours. It's tough to say. But that's what I was told going back to 48 hours ago. So, I mean, obviously, we're getting closer and closer. I think a lot of teams um, and certainly up in Canada yesterday was a little bit of a different day because it was a holiday. Um, but, but they're grinding it out and trying to get this done. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see when this, when this announcement comes out. Um, but you know, we'll just have to play it out and just, and, and just wait. I, I'm just real interested in a couple of things, Danny, that I think people will certainly be interested in. Um, and that is the return of the Olympics in the national hockey league. I think that's also a sticking point for the CBA negotiation. Players want to play in the Olympics, specifically the European players. And you're going to have the Olympics return with the National Hockey League, which I think a lot of people will be excited about. It's one of my favorite events um, to watch is when NHL players go to the Olympics and the countries battle head to head. I think that's fun for a lot of people to watch, even though the NHL doesn't necessarily love it because they don't make a lot of money off of it. Sure. And you have to pause the season. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see when this comes out, when it gets officially ratified. You know, the, the player representative for the Blues is Colton Pareko. Talked to him a little bit yesterday. He wasn't exactly sure when the official vote would take place, but he expected it to happen soon. And as far as testing, so let's just say they, they ratify the deal. It, it happens this weekend, and players, for argument's sake, are expected to be in their home cities on the 10th of this month, so nine days away. 
how does testing work once you get to your home city? And then what does testing look like once you get to uh, Canada and in the uh, the hub cities? Well, first, I think they're going to push it back to around the 13th. That's okay. the word in terms of when training camp is going to get pushed back. But it really doesn't matter because it's not going to push back when the games start. And like I said, teams will be leaving around the 25th. Um, you know, players that fly to their NHL city, they're going to have to quarantine for seven days when they get there. Um, so they're encouraged to drive to their NHL city, which would mean they wouldn't have to quarantine. Um, they're going to be tested every single day, Danny. I mean, and sometimes multiple times a day. And the same thing's going to apply certainly when they're inside that bubble. And how they make this work is just going to be, listen, I'm as interested as anybody else. But they're not going to mess around with the testing. I mean, they're using the swab tests, um, and they will be tested every single day and um, to, to try to make sure they can get a hold, a hold of this. You know, I mean, the reality is everyone looks at, you know, the small picture. Let's look at the big picture. Why are we here to begin with? We're here because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, right? And and this is serious. And this thing could fall off the tracks at any moment. And they realize that. I mean, David Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has, has even said so. Adam Silver, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so we haven't heard much from uh, Gary Bettman in that regard. I think the NHL actually has done a great job in terms of encouraging fans. They were the first league to use the word pause. But they're also going to take, um, you know, COVID-19 very, very serious, as they should. And any type of outbreak will be taken serious. And, you know, I think you can expect to have outbreaks. Um, you know, how responsible will players be, especially when they get into the bubble, when training camp begins? I mean, are they going to go home? Are they going to stay home? How responsible will the families be? Um, and, you know, teams are obviously going to have to be, you know, get a hold of this and, 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 you know, have a system in place that keeps these players as safe as they possibly can be and everybody else around them. And can they do it? Um, I think that's the number one question. Can they do it? We're here for one reason because of COVID-19 and COVID-19 is the one reason why if they can't pull this off, that'll be why. And the final question then, if it hits a team, what is the breaking point to where they say, okay, that's enough. We, we, we've got too many players that have been hit. I, I don't know if they've come out and said that or if they have an arbitrary number in, in mind, but the pool of players, what, how, many, how many players can they choose from? You know, So all of a sudden it hits five guys or seven guys, and they got a quarantine, and Gary Bettman or Doug Armstrong or GMX says, that's it, that's enough, we're done. Is that, is that number in mind? Um. You know, it's tough to say. I mean, they think they're going to be able to handle, you know, um, you know, small numbers of, you know, players who, who test positive. What we don't know, Danny, and a lot of people are asking those questions, is what happens when you have a major outbreak. Yeah. And obviously a major outbreak could mean that you can't play. A team won't be available to play. But they believe that in the bubble, this will it, it won't 100% eliminate or prevent it from happening, but they truly believe that it's going to significantly reduce the possibility of this happening. Uh, you know, if, if you have major outbreaks in training camp, that gives you some time to, you know, get through it for players to quarantine, to get healthy before they head to the hub city. Um, you know, you're going to have expanded rosters. There's going to be 28 skaters. Teams can bring as many goaltenders as they want. They can only bring a maximum of 50 players and personnel per team. 
So you're going to have to certainly be careful there in terms of how many uh, goaltenders you want to bring for practices and whatnot. Uh, but I think it's a valid question. It's a great question. You have a major outbreak. How is it going to impact the rest of the teams who say, man, I don't know if we can go through with this. I mean, look what's happening to this team. I mean, you already saw, I think, five players and personnel get you know, test positive with the Tampa Bay Lightning, forced them to shut down their facility. Uh, you know, the the Denver Nuggets had to force, you know, were forced to shut down the facility in the NBA. So, um, you know, we've already seen that happen. And the chances of it happening, again, are certainly real. How the NHL handles that will be very, very interesting to watch. You're the best, buddy. Thanks so much, and thanks for what you do for hockey and covering the sport in the St. Louis Blues. And uh, I'm sure we're going to catch up down the road. All right, Danny. Anytime, man. We'll talk soon. All right. That's Andy Strickland. We'll get to your text messages. Rhino Shield mic drops coming up. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 1049 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Rhino Shield mic drop. And this is Rick. Dan, I heard what Manfred said yesterday, and I thought, yeah, that's really bad for the owners because of the grievance. But now that I heard the full quote, remember, they started at 48, so they negotiated up to 60, and basically the full quote was, I can't, I cannot, we cannot go above 60 because of the virus, which is plausible and probably becoming more and more realistic. So I'm not sure how much that helps the players, honestly. Yeah, you know, the the tense discussions um, that were going back and forth and, and you know when you look at what was happening here there were indications that they were hoping to start on July 4th they were going to 82 games which would have been one more game than over a half uh, season and and now it looks like it is the right move clearly to go to um, 60 games with what's going on in our country um, but this certainly I would think um, convinces some people, some, not all, but it just makes more of a case that they're saying, well, told you, owners weren't negotiating in good faith. That's all. But to your point, I agree with you. It does say, hey, the virus is here. 60 games is the best way to do it. I, I also thought he was right in what he said. I think the biggest disappointment for baseball fans as a whole is that the expansion of the playoffs is not there. I think everybody would have enjoyed that, the 14 or 16 games, or teams, excuse me, instead of the 10. I think that would have been important. I think that would have been a good thing uh, for the sport, and that's disappointing that we don't have it. Uh, Danny Mack, love the show from the 314 on the Air Comfort Service text line. Do you see Hicks getting in games this year? Double-edged sword. Um, he's diabetic, so precondition uh, existence there, dealing with the virus. And the other thing is dealing with uh, Tommy John. Are you in contention, number one? Number two, uh, where is he health-wise with that? He is a special talent that throws triple digits, high triple digits in terms of baseball. You know, 102, 103. I, I just want to be so careful with him. So many times in Tommy John, too, you want to ease a guy back. And is it really worth it? That's a question that the Cardinals have to ask. And many times, too, you, you with a guy, want to get him a few innings before he comes back just to get him into the offseason and just have a few innings under his belt, goes into the offseason, 
has a normal offseason and it's out of his mind that he can pitch in a major league game and not have the anxiety and the worry of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they got him a few innings in. But again, it's a couple things you worry about, the virus and Tommy John. Are you in contention? Does he help you down the stretch, too? That's something to think about. Danny Mack heard the comments from uh, Mo and uh, Mike Schilt specifically about Dylan Carlson. I think he should be up. Well, that's going to be a lot of the uh, the talk from here until July 23rd, 24th, opening day, whether or not he's on the roster. But I think we got a pretty good indication from Mo. They're going to give Tyler O'Neill every chance. And then if he falters, it's Lane Thomas. I'll throw Bader in there, too. I think Bader's got to prove it early on. Lane Thomas can play all three outfield spots. To an extent, Tyler Neal could play center field, too. But I think that's that's important. I think it's important. He's got to show that he can hit. He's an elite defender, but he's got to show he can hit, too. 980, good morning, Danny Mack. Do you see Martinez in the bullpen or in the rotation? I'm hoping he's in the rotation. I made that point earlier going through some of the, the guys that um, would be in the rotation. So in no particular order, Flaherty, well, he is number one. You can put that in pen. Then Michaelis, Wainwright, Hudson, Martinez with no hicks. We know he's on the IL. That's for sure to start the season. It is a short season. So now it maybe changes your mindset. I, I think if this is a normal season, Martinez is in your starting five. Now maybe it changes it. But there's options. There's options now. But do you want that everyday closer for 60 games to count on? And insert maybe Austin Gomber, Daniel Ponce de Leon, KK. He could be your five. And they're going to go with a five-man rotation, not six. Something to think about. So some of the things we'll get into next few weeks leading into opening day, what we hope is an opening day for Major League Baseball. Cross it over, Ribs and BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Crossover as we head to Centene. Ribs and B-Up. Jamie Rivers joining us. And uh, Jamie, big weekend, isn't it, for not only the 4th of July, but the NHL as they try to get their CBA in place. And then uh, about a week away, the players start trickling into St. Louis, don't they? Yeah, you know, lots of talk right now surrounding the CBA and how the players' union and the owners have managed to negotiate an extension through all this, let alone set up the next protocols for Phase 3 and 4 of what they're doing to come back. So, yeah, exciting times, Danny. A lot could happen here over our our wonderful July 4th weekend. What do you got planned for the 4th of July? What are you and the fam doing? Well, the River Circus is going to get together with a couple other families that we've known for a really long time. Uh, one of them has been so gracious as to open up their home and their pool and their backyard and their grill and uh, have uh, dared to invite us in, although they <laughs> did have us uh, sign a waiver. I don't know what that was for. I understand. Um, but, yeah, no, we're going to have a great time. There's about two, three families getting together, old friends, and the kids are all friends. They've all kind of grown up together, so it should be a lot of fun. All right, buddy. Have a great show. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. You got it, Danny. Happy 4th, brother. You too. Ribs and BK coming up next. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.